0: It's January 23rd, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and I am ready to read in the book of Genesis, the beginning of the Bible. And uh, hopefully you have uh, enjoyed the uh, stories and the narratives we've come across as much as I have, uh, enjoyed them. So Genesis chapter 46 through chapter 47, uh, is where we are going to be for our old Testament reading today. And this is the new living translation, Genesis chapter 46, starting in verse one. So Jacob set out for Egypt with all his possessions. And when he came to Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac during the night, God spoke to him in a vision, Jacob, Jacob, he called here. I am Jacob replied. I am God, the God of your father, the voice said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make your family into a great nation. I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will bring you back again. You will die in Egypt, but Joseph will be with you to close your eyes. So Jacob left Beersheba, and his sons took him to Egypt. They carried him and their little ones and their wives in the wagons Pharaoh had provided for them. They also took all of their livestock and all their personal belongings that had acquired in the land that they had acquired in the land of Canaan. So Jacob and his entire family went to Egypt, sons and grandsons, daughters and granddaughters, all his descendants. These are the names of the descendants of Israel, the sons of Jacob, who went to Egypt. Reuben was Jacob's oldest son. The sons of Reuben were Hanok, Pelu, Hezron, and Carmi. The sons of Simeon were Jemul, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zorah, and Sheol. Sheol's mother was a Canaanite woman. The sons of Levi were Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The sons of Judah were Er, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah, though Ur and Onan had died in the land of Canaan. The sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul. The sons of Issachar were Tola, Puah, Jeshub, and Shimron. The sons of Zebulon were Sered, Elon, and Jaleel. These were the sons of Leah and Jacob, who were born in Paddan Aram, in addition to their daughter, Dinah, The number of Jacob's descendants, male and female, through Leah was 33. The sons of Gad were Zephon, Haggai, Shuniah, Ezbron, Uriah, Aradi, and Aurelii. The sons of Asher were Imnah, Ishva, Ishvi, and Bariah. Their sister was Sariah. Bariah's sons were Heber and Malchiel. These were the sons of Zilpha, the servant given to Leah by her father Laban. The number of Jacob's descendants through Zilpha was 16. The sons of Jacob's wife, Rachel, were Joseph and Benjamin. Joseph's sons, born in the land of Egypt, were Manasseh and Ephraim. Their mother was Aseneth, daughter of Potrphia, the priest of On. I want to pause here because oftentimes when we uh, read Just you know what I would call chronicling—they're just telling uh, what has happened, Uh, lineages here, uh, genealogies, as it is referred to probably in your Bibles. It'll say the genealogy of such and such. I I like to say the purpose for it every time we come across one because it can be like, man, what is the point of this? Can we skip this? And uh, it's really an arrogant way to read the Bible because it's important to the people who would have read this. Uh, It is telling them their origin story, where they came from, Uh, and it's important for you and I. Uh, if you are a Christian, if you're not a Christian, thanks for listening. Uh, but if you if you are a Christian, it's important for you because this is the family of our faith. This is the history. Um, but you can imagine how really important it would have been to those who um, you know came from these people. They get to they get to know where they came from, and that that's just cool. Something cool about uh, even the the ancestry DNA stuff we have today, where you can spit in a tube and it comes back and tells you everything you ever wanted to know and more about your family. Uh, so this this is important that it's there. Uh, it's telling the origin story of god's people verse 21 benjamin's sons were bela becker ashbel ger Naaman, eha rosh muppin Huppin, and ard these were the sons of rachel and jacob the number of jacob's descendants through rachel was 14. the son of dan was hushim the sons of Naphtali were Jaziril, guni jezer and Shilam. these were the sons of billah the servant given to rachel by her father laban The number of Jacob's descendants through Billah was seven. The total number of Jacob's direct descendants who went with him to Egypt, not counting his sons' wives, was sixty-six. In addition, Joseph had two sons who were born in Egypt. So altogether, there were seventy members of Jacob's family in the land of Egypt. As they neared their destination, Jacob sent Judah ahead to meet Joseph and get directions to the region of Goshen. And when they finally arrived there, Joseph prepared his chariot and traveled to Goshen to meet his father, Jacob. When Joseph arrived he embraced his father and wept, holding him for a long time. Finally Jacob said to Joseph, Now I am ready to die, since I have seen your face again and know you are still alive. And Joseph said to his brothers and to his entire and to his father's entire family, I will go to Pharaoh and tell him, My brothers and my father's entire family have come back to me from the land of Canaan. These men are shepherds and they raise livestock. They have brought with them their flocks and herds and everything they own. Then he said, when Pharaoh calls for you and asks you about your occupation, you must tell him, we, your servants, have raised livestock all our lives, as our ancestors have always done. When you tell him this, he will let you live here in the region of Goshen, for the Egyptians despise shepherds. That concludes chapter 46, moving into Genesis chapter 47, verse 1. Then Joseph went to see Pharaoh and told him, My father and my brothers have arrived from the land of Canaan. They have come with all their flocks and herds and possessions, and they they are now in the region of Goshen. Joseph took five of his brothers with him and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asked the brothers, What is your occupation? They replied, We your servants are shepherds, just like our ancestors. We have come to live here in Egypt for a while, for there is no pasture for our flocks in Canaan. The famine is very severe here, so please, we request permission to live in the region of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Now that your father and brothers have joined you here, choose any place in the entire land of Egypt for them to live. Give them the best land of Egypt. Let them live in the region of Goshen, and if any of them have special skills, put them in charge of my livestock too. Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. How old are you, Pharaoh asked him. Jacob replied, I have traveled this earth for 130 hard years. Man, that is a long time. But my life has been short compared to the lives of my ancestors. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh again before leaving his court. So Joseph assigned the best land of Egypt, the region of Rameses, to his father and his brothers, and he settled them there, just as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided food for his father and his brothers in amounts appropriate to the number of their dependents, including the smallest children. Meanwhile, the famine became so severe that all the food was used up and people were starving throughout the lands of Egypt and Canaan. By selling grain to the people, Joseph eventually collected all the money in Egypt and Canaan. I want to read that again. By selling grain to the people, Joseph eventually collected all the money in Egypt and Canaan. He he had all of it. Isn't that crazy? And he put the money in Pharaoh's treasury. When the people of Egypt and Canaan ran out of money, all the Egyptians came to Joseph. Our money is gone, they cried. But please give us food, or we will die before your very eyes. Joseph replied, Since your money is gone, bring me your livestock. I will give you food in exchange for your livestock. So they brought their livestock to Joseph in exchange for food, in exchange for their horses, flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and donkeys. Joseph provided them with food for another year. But that year ended, and the next year they came again and said, We cannot hide the truth from you, my Lord. Our money is gone. All our livestock and cattle are yours. We have nothing left to give but our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your very eyes? Buy us and our land in exchange for food. We offer our land and ourselves as slaves for Pharaoh. Just give us grain so we may live and not die, and so the land does not become empty and desolate. So Joseph brought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. All the Egyptians sold him their fields because the famine was so severe. And soon all the land belonged to Pharaoh. As for the people, he made them all slaves from one end of Egypt to the other. The only land he did not buy was the land belonging to the priests. They received an allotment of food directly from Pharaoh, so they did not need to sell their land. This is crazy. So we're setting up for Exodus, which is the next Bible book we're going to read. And who owns everything? Pharaoh, Egypt, they have it all. All the land, all the people, everything. Verse 23, Then Joseph said to the people, Look, today I have brought you and your land for Pharaoh. Today I have bought you and your land for Pharaoh. I will provide you with seed so you can plant the fields. Then when you harvest it, one-fifth of your crop will belong to Pharaoh. You may keep the remaining four-fifths as seed for your fields and as food for you, your households, and your little ones. You have saved our lives, they exclaimed. May it please you, my lord, to let us be Pharaoh's servants. Joseph then issued a decree, still in effect in the land of Egypt, that Pharaoh should receive one-fifth of all the crops grown on his land. Only the land belonging to the priest was not given to Pharaoh. Meanwhile, the people of Israel settled in the region of Goshen in Egypt. There they acquired property, and they were fruitful, and their population grew rapidly. Jacob lived for 17 years after his arrival in Egypt, so he lived 147 years in all. As the time of his death drew near, Jacob called for his son Joseph and said to him, Please do me this favor. Put your hand under my thigh and swear that you will treat me with unfailing love by honoring this last request. Do not bury me in Egypt. When I die, please take my body out of Egypt and bury me with my ancestors. So Joseph promised, I will do what you ask. Swear that you will do it, Jacob insisted. So Joseph gave his oath, and Jacob bowed humbly at the head of his bed. And that concludes our Old Testament reading for today. Moving on to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 28. Matthew 15, verse 1. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition for they ignore our, traditional, their, our tradition of ceremonially hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition, you hypocrites. So, in other words, what's going on here? And this is one of the most fascinating uh, scripture texts in the, in the Gospels, I think, uh, is the Pharisees are mad at Jesus because he doesn't wash his hands before he eats, which my mom would have been mad also, but but for <laughs> for different reasons, right? Uh, they did it uh, because in their rule book, it they had added rules that weren't in the scripture, and you needed to have your hands clean before you washed, before you ate, uh, and Jesus wasn't following their rule book. And so they say that to him, and Jesus says, Okay, I'm violating your traditions, but you violate the direct command of God. And then he he, um, he goes to one of the commandments, which is to honor your father and your mother. And what the people, the Pharisees at this time were doing is to get out of taking care of their mother and father. Remember, they, they don't live in a society where the government takes care of them. It was like your responsibility or your parents starve. There wasn't assisted living, Medicare, and all the things we have in the modern world, right? Uh, and, and so instead of taking care of their parents, they would say, well, I vowed to give this money to God. And so they, they were able to keep the money, uh, but but all they had to do is say, I vowed to give this to God. Uh, so, like, they'd say, hey, we need some help. And they'd say, no, I've already vowed to give uh, my money to God. I haven't given it to him yet, but I vowed to give it to him. Uh, and so they're, they're using God to disobey God, which is, as Jesus says, hypocritical. Yeah. You know anybody like that? If you think of a name and it's not your own name, you might need to think again. Because we all do this. Man, we, we hate the people who sin different than we sin. When in reality, uh, we need to look at our own hearts. Are we invalidating any of God's direct commandments for the sake of our traditions? Verse 7. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Let us not be those people, friends. Verse 10. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted, so ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter said to Jesus, Explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Don't you understand yet? Jesus asked. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great, your request is granted, and your daughter was instantly healed. Sorry, and her daughter was instantly healed. And there at the end we see um, the Jewish people at the beginning of the story missing it. God's chosen people miss it. Uh, and it's, it's uh, ended with a Gentile woman, a woman who's not supposed to be a part of this blessing, right? Supposed to, in scare quotes... Uh, and she says, you know, I'll, I'll just take the scraps, whatever's left. I just just get a little taste of you. That's all I need, Jesus. And uh, Jesus commends her for her faith. Let us be more like that woman and less like the hypocrites at the beginning. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day, Proverbs chapter 4, and it's going to be verses 14 through 19. Proverbs 4, verse 14. Don't do as the wicked do and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. For evil people can't sleep until they've done their evil deed for the day. They can't rest until they've caused someone to stumble. They eat the food of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines even brighter until the full light of day, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it seems to kind of match up with what Jesus said. The blind leading the blind. Interesting. And finally, we will be reading Psalm 19. This is the 19th Psalm in a posture of prayer. For the choir director, a Psalm of David. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. Lord, thank you uh, that your glory is on display for all to see, the Christian and the non-Christian alike, the God-fearing and the non-God-fearing alike. We can't help but look at the Grand Canyon and think that something bigger than us created it. Lord, there, everywhere around us, if we will just look, is examples of your glory on display. Verse 5. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. Lord, I thank you as I read those verses and I think about how your love, your grace is just like the sun. No matter the evil we commit or what we do, uh, we take the heat of the sun for granted. We wake up and we expect it to be there providing life to us. And yet, Lord, that is how we are also to at your grace. Through your son, Jesus, who came and live the perfect life I could not live and died the death I deserve to die and rose again, claiming that if I trusted him, I could share in that same resurrection. On the cross of Calvary, he said, it is finished. Lord, sometimes I fail to believe that your grace can cover my sins. And yet, just like the sun rises every day, regardless of what has happened the day before, so does your grace. Verse 7. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant and a great reward for those who obey them. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you've not left us here as blind people, leading blind people, but you've given us light. You've shown us the way. Lord, let us be people who think and look to your word and not our own thoughts. Verse 12. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. Lord, thank you that I am innocent, not based upon what I have done, but based upon Jesus taking my guilt upon his shoulders and dying for it. Would you expose the sins in my hearts that I might repent from them? Expose the sins in the hearts of my listeners? Not because they have to, but because those sins are going to lead to death, and you lead to life, and we want to follow you. Not because we're trying to earn anything, but because you've shown us the way. Because you have came and and shown us that you are who you say you are, and you'll do what you say you will do. Verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And that's the final verse of the psalm. And for my prayer, I'm just going to pray that. That's what you can do sometimes with the psalms. Just pray it. Lord, may the words of my mouth, of Blake's mouth, and the meditation of my, Blake's heart, be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for today's reading. As always, it was um, very rich for my own soul, and I hope the same is true for you. And uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the reading, and I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we can continue our journey of reading through the Bible together.